Hey guys, it's Tony. I'm here to talk to you about Awaken Conference. Now, Awaken is a young adult gathering in Charlotte, North Carolina from January 31st to February 2nd, 2020. And it's meant to help you recharge your spiritual life and connect with a community that you can grow your faith alongside. Now, this year's presenters include a killer lineup with Caleb Isley of Humans of Adventism and, of course, a friend of the podcast. He's been on a few episodes. Kim Cove, a licensed counselor, and Randy Ban, the creative producer at Nike World Headquarters. The keynotes will be brought by Ben Lundquist of the Rise and Lead podcast, uh, a good friend of mine and an amazing speaker. Trust me, guys, you will not want to miss out. And Absurdity will be there. So me and Becker, uh, you get, get to see us if you come out. Uh, would love to come and talk to you. We absolutely think that this is something you're going to want to come and see. Speaking of, if you enter the code Absurdity at awakennc.com, that's Absurdity, A-B-S-U-R-D-I-T-Y, at awakennc.com, you're going to get a 10% discount. We'd love to see you there. This is absolutely something that we support, and we think that Awaken is a part of the growing church movement that we want to see moving forward. Once again, if you enter code absurdity at awakennc.com, you'll get a 10% discount off the initial price. Love to see you guys there. This episode of Absurdity is sponsored by The Haystack. The Haystack is a voice for young adults in the Seventh-day Adventist Church that produces articles, music reviews, videos, and more. To check them out, Go to thehaystack.org. The Haystack. Life. Culture. Theology. Hey everyone, welcome back to Absurdity, an exploration of all things absurd in religion, culture, and society. And uh, Tony is joining me once again, because why not, right? At this point... Yeah, you know, Might we're well. only almost a hundred episodes since you first came on. So why wouldn't you, you know, just yeah, that's, join me as the co-host? That's exciting. Um, yeah, I, it's not my hundredth episode. I just want to make that clear. Yeah, but it doesn't matter because I started nineteen. Yes, and I'm counting it. So yes. Um, <laughs> hey, so I just want to put this quick call yeah. out. Um, we need a new. We need some new podcast art. Um, and yeah. I don't, I'm in a position financially where right now I can't just like go and pay someone normally yeah. like I normally would. Um, That'd be both of us. Yeah. I, uh, both of I'm us in the position where I have spot. to move very, very soon here. Um, we just hired an editor for absurdity that um, started last week. So if you're hearing, you're hearing a new yeah. intro, you're hearing, um, and you're hearing us sound way better because we officially have a podcast editor. And to give you an idea... Which is, is exciting. Yeah, I'm really excited about this. He's a friend of mine that we haven't talked in a long time. I would actually consider his friends now versus back then. But we went to high school together. And he actually... He's an audio producer that got into it on his own, taught himself everything that he does, and edits um, and is the producer behind the show Buried Truths uh, from NPR. And just an incredible dude... I'm really excited to have him on board. He's really excited about this. He loves what we're doing too. And I've hired him. Um, and as we're developing some plans for the future, it's really cool to have that kind of expertise on board as well. I know a bit about editing, but I don't know what he knows. And so I'm glad and thrilled to have him on. Um, but because of some budget changes and things in my you, life, you like, sucked. You yeah, just I sucked. sucked. You just Honestly, like I felt so incompetent horrible. when I heard his first edit of episode 104 versus just even my edit yeah. of 103. Um, 
it's it's amazing how when someone actually like they that's their thing. Yes, how they can take it and you're just like, oh wow, this is so much better than. You know what I mean? Yes. It, it's just I I had a housemate that was like this with guitars and i haven't played a guitar since i'm not even joking like literally mm. he was just like oh yeah i know that song what was that other one play it one more time and then he would just like immediately hit it and i'm like yeah. all right well now i'm incompetent <laughs> he uh he made my voice sound like in one week what i've been trying to make it sound like for 100 episodes let me just put it that way um which is like it's supposed to sound so um, we are looking for some new podcast artwork, and the only reason I'm putting out this call, I'm not trying to take advantage of anyone here or not offer anything. I can I can be honest and say I can't pay up front right this second. Um, but if there's someone who is who really likes what we're doing and does design work and would like to take a stab at this, um, this is an opportunity to get involved, I guess. Um, but uh, I understand if I get absolutely no takers from that. Um, but it is an open call I'd put out while we're considering it. I would love to have some new podcasts podcast artwork i've been considering it for months i've had some ideas but i just don't have the skill as a designer to put it together um and so yeah i have some inspiration stuff and and but we'll see how where that goes um eventually i'd like a new logo as well but i'm not going to ask for two things in one so um yeah just going to put that call out um and in addition to that absurdity is now costing me double what it cost me before so um we are still always in need of support and if you want to support us financially you can head over to patreon.com slash absurdity podcast or just go to the absurdity.org slash donate you can do a one-time donation or subscribe via paypal or via patreon and you'll get episodes early ad-free episodes and bonus content as well as exclusive special announcements in fact our full intro track has been released to our um to our patrons so yeah. Um, and as of this week, you're uh, as of the time you're hearing this a week prior, I made a huge announcement on Patreon. So um, you may want to go check that out um, if you sign up to become a patron. But um, I'm excited for the future of absurdity. Tony and I have been talking about some stuff, too, um, that's that that we're working on. And this is um, what's going to happen with this platform. It's it's going to evolve. And over the course of the next year, and I'm just excited to see where that takes us and and where that lands us. So, yeah, really cool um, and really exciting stuff is all I'm going to say for now. But um, Tony, what uh, I just I want to I want to do the <laughs> I want to do the uh, uh, um, oh, what's the uh, Wayne's World? What was the other guy? Oh my gosh, my brain! This is horrible. It was Wayne and Garth. I want to do the Garth Forth. We fear change. Just oh yeah. Well, uh, to be fair, what absurdity? Absurdity will always stay absurdity. So if you listen to this podcast, right, yeah. this will always stay this podcast. It, it'll stay. What I'm same. saying is, there's yeah. going to be but more offered in addition. Be a lot of stuff. Um, yeah. What's what's? No, it, it is cool. I'm super excited about it. Yeah. But I just I I just love that concept of there's going to be change. Ha, ha. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that, um, that broad nebulous statement. Well, what's uh, I feel like, all right, two things. One, you're going to lose respect for me for, so I'm going to say the first one first so that you listen to what I say. But I feel like whenever I say like, it's so exciting, some exciting stuff is coming, whatever. I feel like that pastor that's like reads a, a, a boring text in scripture or passage from scripture and goes, wow, that's so interesting. Like, uh, like yeah. no, it's yeah. interesting to you. It's not interesting to and me. They named- and they named 24 guys, you know, to be on the western side of the wall. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah. No, you haven't told me why it's fascinating. Yeah, it's just like, I, I'm sure that you eventually will make it fascinating. But at this point, <laughs> at no. this point, it's and just you're making me it. feel dumb. 
Yeah, right. And I feel now you're making me feel dumb for not having seen yep. the amazingness of 24 guys standing on a wall. Exactly. Um, so that's that's part one, as I feel ridiculous just saying it's exciting, but not being able to say what any of it is yet. But B, uh, here's here's the confession. This is the first time I've con- I've ever confessed this to literally anyone in my life. Breaking news alert. I've never seen Wayne's World. That's I'll I'll give you that. I'm shocked that you'll give, give me that. that. Stephen Hall will kill me Here's for why. it. No, he will literally I, I drive down will. from Wisconsin and murder he, me. He'll kill both while of us while playing Wayne's no, World. No, here's why, and this is and this is why I am and, and I I just I do not blame anyone who hasn't seen a movie roughly ten years before their birth. I know I don't. So like these kids that are you know like oh I've never seen Land Before Time or whatever like I I don't get mad at them. Yeah, I'm not. I, I, you know, it's ridiculous for me to expect a kid who was born in 2001 uh, to enjoy, you know, uh, Back to the Future or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if you have, well done. Like, that's a positive for you. But I don't put a, a touch of negative, and that's the only reason. Like, you're you're an uncultured swine, uh, <laughs> and you need to watch it immediately. But no, like, I totally. I get why people haven't seen because you have like unless somebody in your life enjoy that movie, um, you have no reason to go back. Yeah. Like you have no motivation to go see it. So I I I I'm willing I'm willing to give a lot more Well and I'm actually gonna bring this back up. I brought this up completely unrelated to today's episode, but it's actually relevant. So I'm gonna bring it back up a little later. Um but today we are Oh, I thought you did that on purpose. No, I but it is gonna be very, very relevant soon. Um Yeah. Cool. So we're talking about the wedding venue incident that's been taking social media by storm. And um, basically um, there's a wedding venue event hall, uh, Boone's camp event hall in Boonville, Mississippi um, that basically came under fire because a video was released, not showing the it's, it's presumed to be the owner. It's really not clear who the woman is. that's talking, but it's definitely someone that works for the, the, for the event hall. Um, it's it's someone that was they were they were comfortable yeah. letting speak. It's presumed to be, or it's assumed, I guess, at this point, it's assumed to be um, the owner of the place. But the owner, but yeah. or the manager. Really, no, yeah. nothing's been concerned. And some of this feels a little shady, and I'll get into why. That's part of why. Um, but basically, the video is um, there. There was an interracial couple that wanted to get married at this event hall. They told they were told no, and so the the black groomsmen or the black groom, his, uh, his sister went back sister. Yeah. His yeah. sister went back to talk to the woman and find out why and what's going on. And she recorded the incident and you can just see like the, the woman's basically shirt. Like you just see her torso and, uh, the woman basically, she, she's asked, why don't you, uh, or, or, you know, why won't you do this? And, and this is what the woman said. The woman said in the video, you can watch this. First of all, we don't do gay weddings or mixed race. Because of our Christian race, I mean our Christian belief. Um, and then she says, "I don't." Or, and then she says, "Why? Why don't you do that? Can you show me in the Bible? Can you show me in the Bible where?" And she goes, "I don't want to argue my faith. We just don't participate. We choose not to." Right. So this goes viral. This video goes viral. All this flat comes on the the Boone's Camp event hall, and um, here's why. So. In 2016, I did not know this until this video came out either. In 2016, Mississippi actually passed a law allowing businesses to refuse services to LGBTQ plus people based on religious objections. 
So this takes care of the wedding cake stuff that's happened over the years. This takes care of all of that in Mississippi. Um, takes care of, I use as a subjective term. In other words, for those who don't want to do it, it, it's an easy out for them. I don't think that that's the right out, but neither here nor there. Um, so when this woman said, first of all, we don't do gay weddings, she was okay, right? She was actually okay. She was protected by state law. However, when she said mixed race, that was when she broke federal law because in 1967, uh, interracial marriage became legal in America. And that was a federal case. So uh, race is protected. So the second that she said that, the second that she said mixed race, she dug her grave. Um, now, granted, no one has actually sued yet, to my knowledge. Um, but then a couple days later, after this it all broke, um, apparently Boone's Camp Event Hall posted a public apology on, um, on their Facebook page. And this is where it gets kind of shady to me. And I'm trying to figure out what's going on here. But um, she said something to the effect of, so this, this only exists as a screenshot right now. This is why it's shady. Basically, this public apology was, it's not even really an apology, but this public statement was posted, then deleted. And so now it only exists in screenshots. And she said, to all have been following the video posted of, allow, of not allowing biracial marriages in our business, please read the content of this message. As a child growing up in Mississippi, our racial boundaries that were unstated were that of staying with your own race. This was never verbally spoken, but it was an understood subject. On Saturday, my husband asked me to show him in the Bible where it was located as to the content concerning biracial relationships. I studied for a minute and began to think about the history of my learning this and where it came from. I was unable to recall incidents, instances where the Bible was used giving a verse that would support my decision. After searching that Saturday evening, Saturday night, and most of the day Sunday, and sitting down with my pastor Sunday night after church, I have come to the conclusion that my decision, which was based on what I had thought was correct to be supported by the Bible, was incorrect. I have, for many years, stood firm on my Christian faith, not knowing that biracial relationships were never mentioned in the Bible. I know there are verses whom we claim to support this, but to my finding, it is not supported at all. Um, and then, like the screenshot gets cut off, so I can't I can't read any more of that. Um, it doesn't seem like there's actually literally her saying "I'm sorry," just I was wrong. Um, though, is it an admittance of? Not guilt per se, but error. Yeah, it's an admittance of error. But not necessarily. Well, maybe she yeah, does end but it. Not necessarily. Maybe she does end it with an apology. I really don't know. If someone can find the full apology, I, yeah. Let me well, know. we can't because it's only it's only uh, a screenshot. Yeah. So, um, yeah. um, the venue did reinvite the couple. By the way, that that we do know. But to me, this is shady because we can't figure out who said this, and hey. and the post on the event hall's Facebook that actually admitted the error is now gone. And so I don't know, maybe, maybe it's gone because of legal issues. Like if there was a lawsuit and that being an admission of, I don't know. I, I, yeah, that would be my guess. But it just, some of this feels weird to me and I'm not like trying to be like tin hat, tinfoil hat or whatever, but it just seems weird. It seems odd to me that this is the way that this is ending. Um, But there's, there's too many tinfoil hat things this this weekend with Antonio Brown and all this other stuff like it. Let's not go down that rabbit hole yeah, uh, <laughs> with this particular wise one. move. Um, the, so this is, this is kind of where I, I, I am. Um, public apologies to me are interesting because, 
and 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 this is kind of the first thing I want to talk about regarding this, right? No, I mean, a this is reprehensible behavior. Let's just be honest. Um, this is not okay yeah. in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. Is it okay, um, especially in 2019, for this to happen? Um, but public apologies to me are this weird enigma because it seems like we dismiss public apologies outright just by the nature of them being public after they've after someone has been called out publicly so it seems like apologies are just a way to save face rather than or you know save a business rather than uh genuine is what it ends up coming across as a lot of the time and that's how it ends up getting treated and so it almost feels like to me um it feels like to me public apologies are like if you mess something if you do something wrong publicly you just you just die from it basically like there's no coming back it almost seems like because ever i i yeah it's at least neutral let's say that i mean i you 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 can do a public apology that will at least neutralize the bad thing it doesn't it doesn't get you any type of credit it's just neutral that's the best you can hope for you know i mean yeah like you're not coming out smelling like roses um you know, because I've seen some very, very good public apologies. Um, but I think that it, it, it just, you come out neutral. That's, that's the best you can hope for. And the problem is most people have to work very, very hard and be very, very authentic um, and actually genuinely be contrite to come out neutral. And I think that's why a lot of times... Well, and and I think a lot of times also people aren't sorry, but I think that's why a lot of times you don't see these extreme kind of uh, uh, Davidic, shall we say, apologies of, you know, tearing the, the sackcloth. I have sinned before God, you know, throwing myself on the floor kind of a thing. You, you kind of see a oops and and, you know, you hate to kind of put it this way, but I think the Me Too movement has has revealed a lot of people who aren't really sorry yeah. for what they did yeah. you know um you, you have the kevin spacey apology where you know i what was that yeah it wasn't an apology and i'm gay and i'm it, like, it was what? a pivot what? yeah uh, it was a pivot louis ck well and 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 that's the thing is it comes across clear you have to you have to come out you to 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 nerd out a little bit. I've tried so hard not to as much. To Game of Thrones, it you you just have to do the Walk of Shame. Um, if you guys don't know what I'm referencing, uh, I'm not going to tell you. So no, uh, in Game of Thrones, the main one of the main characters is Queen, and she's basically overrun by these pious religious people, and she's forced to do this naked walk of shame through the entire city with someone behind like crying out shame you know, shame shame, shame, yeah. shame and people are throwing things at her and it's a it's an incredible moment um and you just watch in her eyes like i'm gonna kill all of you like that yeah you know just death is going through her eyes but that's kind of what you have to do to to not get canceled um, and I'm not saying cancel culture is wrong or right. That's not what we're talking about here. But it, 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 the point is that these public apologies have to be these humiliating, you know, disemboweling things. Otherwise, you, you just you come across looking disingenuous yeah. or or at worst, uh, 
like you're trying to take advantage of the situation. Well, and I think I think the other side of this too is like it's kind of manipulative to behavior. And this happens in relationships a lot where a guy or a girl, this happens a lot in high school and college, but I think it happens in marriages a lot too, which is basically someone does something wrong. They apologize. And then they wonder why everything's not back to the way it was before they did something wrong. Right. They're just like, come on, I apologize. You should be over it now. Um, I, I think the same treatment of apologies happens on the public scale, which is like, just because you've apologized, doesn't mean that suddenly we trust you the same way we did before. We know what you did, and that changes right. th- this relationship that we have, whether it's boyfriend, yeah. girlfriend, husband, wife, or boyfriend, boyfriend, girlfriend, girlfriend, or um, uh, or business customer. Any, yeah, any, any relationship. Yeah. Any any relationship. Um, any combination. Yeah, thereof. I just I wanted to make it. I really wanted to be clear on that. Um, the, um. Yeah, any of that relationship, like it's a new normal now. You've done something that now means this is like this showed me a bit of who you are that I did not know before or did not expect from you before. And so I don't trust you now. Um, And that changes things like you don't like your your significant other cheats on you and says they're sorry and cries and is upset about it. You don't go, okay, cool. Let's make out now. Like there's a new normal and there takes it takes time to rebuild that. The restorative process has just begun, and that's if you do it right. Yeah, that's yeah. If you don't do it right, then well, it's you haven't even begun to make. The, and know. let's be clear: even biblically cheating, doing it right can also mean ending the relationship. But even if it's a grievous yeah. thing, you've lied yeah. to me about something your whole life, or whatever. You know, it, it, don't expect it. Yeah, yeah. don't ex- something has been broken. You can't expect yeah. it to go. So back. you've got to yeah. rebuild. Like I get that. Um, cancel culture is a little bit different to me and a little bit more extreme. And I think the other issue that we run into is with social media and business customer or consumer relationships is that those businesses, um, uh, in many cases, these are consumers or customers that the business has never had and have never heard of it before. So it's not even like they're, they're losing customers they never had or, or they'll, or they're losing customers they never would have had because like I'm in Tennessee, I'm not going to go to Boonville to get married. Um. Yeah. So there's some of that that's a little but now extra. You, now you're de- not, now, and you never will. Yeah, now. I never will. Um. Yeah. But I I think yeah. I, I think there's a bit I, of that. A with good public example, apologies. I think. Yeah. Well, a good example, I think of this, which is also recent. Um, Jay Z's company, Rock Nation, got involved with the NFL, and they said they're going to donate four hundred thousand dollars to two, uh, uh, charity foundations that do work with inner city kids and re black kids in chicago right yeah um and then one of them has and i and i will admit that i have not researched everything about that i did quite a bit because quite a bit was researched in the twitter moment um but I have not researched everything about this particular, and I'm not going to name it. You can look it up if you want to. But basically, $200,000 was going to this company who had a very prominent, who has several, uh, shall we say, questionable decisions that they've made. And the biggest one was in two particular cases. These two young men came, and the owner, uh, or the person who runs the charity, um, had a picture cutting off their dreadlocks. Uh, as a way of giving them a quote-unquote better life. 
and she made this public apology saying, look, uh, they came, they wanted to do it as a, as a, as a metaphor for how they're going to stop, you know, causing trouble and do all these things. And then everyone's saying that's not a metaphor mm. that, that has nothing to do. Wearing locks has nothing to do with that type of lifestyle has nothing to do with that. It's not a bad thing. And you're and, and it's a typical event. And now there are lots of other things, but that's the best way. And she basically said, well, I guess I just won't ever do it. Like her, her public apology was essentially, I realize now that this is not good for people. So if I ever get asked again, if I ever get asked again, yeah. i.e. they were the ones who initiated this. I don't go around just cutting people's hair off. I won't do this again. And it was, it, it, it totally was. It was like, look, man up, woman up. Yeah. <laughs> just realize what I said. Take, take. Just take it. Yeah. Take what you've been saying. Look, I did not realize how this looked. I did not realize what it meant. Even if they, you did, which I'm, it's debatable whether or not she did, but th- this was, I was approached by these young men. This is what they asked me for. This, I do not, uh, uh, and so I, I, tons of men with with dreadlocks this is not what it meant this was meant to be a a lifestyle change for them individually it was not meant to be as a whole um whatever you you need to say you needed to come across as disingenuous not well they asked me so yeah i guess i won't do that again and and that's exactly the issue is that it comes across extremely disingenuous and that's the same thing with this mississippi one is it's like all right well you're trying to save business it comes across, it seems like, but this is something that you're not going to walk away from. Yep. You know, like you're going to have to lean into it now uh, because you did not, you did not, I call it licking the earth. You know, you, you did not, you know, just go down so low. You have to lick the earth yep. and basically say, I am so sorry. I've completely messed up. And, you know, I, I, my big thing is it's the action that follows the public apology that makes things right. Well, and this is what I, yeah, that's, that's what where, I want to ask is what what action then yeah. could an organization like this do that would actually show that this is a real apology and not them just saving face? Or will it always be I mean, I guess an apology is always some is always in some way saving face. But um or at least damage control to some that, extent. That, but yeah, yeah, how do we? How, well, what, how can course, we determine it's a little bit? It's more than that, and a genuine apology in addition. For this specific case, um, I think number one, they needed to uh, uh, send out an official statement. Um. And I get for legal reasons why you don't want to admit guilt. If that, yeah, um, if it goes to that level, yeah. If it goes to that level, but you have to issue something. And from everything that I've read that this was a, you know, the lady basically put something personal out, but it was not a statement from the camp. There was a statement from the city, ironically. Yes, the statement of the city like, condemned it outright. Yeah, which straight up said, like, this is not okay. This is not what we stand for. This is the old Mississippi, not the new Mississippi. We're trying to, you know, blah, 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 blah. 
which that's what needed to happen. Uh, and number two, I, you know, to me, it really has to be, we will host this entire thing, no charge, you know, at cost. Um, not just invite you back and open it up, but really to say, we will pay you for the right to come and use our facilities because of the way that we made you feel. Um, it should actually cost you. I think the concept of sacrifice has been kind of lost to our society. We we kind of put it in this nebulous realm of, you know, veterans who go over or public servants. Um, and I'm not saying like, oh, this generation doesn't know how to sacrifice. I, I really do think in social media, we we don't understand that concept yeah. in, in the correct sense. Um, to sacrifice means to give uh, until it hurts. Mm -hmm. A sacrifice should hurt you. Um, it, it should cost you. You should have to give something up because you gave this, uh, because you did something. You know that's that's what a sacrifice really really means. Um, and so, I'm not saying that you know soldiers who go overseas and give their lives that's that is a sacrifice. Absolutely, uh, you know firemen who risk their lives to go help. Uh, people and, and you know EMTs that you know do night shifts and have to see you know incredibly uh, terrible terrible things um, you know and and live with you know the PTSD of that you know those are all sacrifices but in addition to that it's giving until something hurts if you just give because you have you know like oh well you know we'll we'll, we'll allow you to come and use our facilities that's not a sacrifice that's not showing that you you know, or truly sorry, it, it should, there should be a, a just and fitting punishment in a sense. Um, and it is so much better when it's initiated by you. Right. Um, I've been to hotels where they lose your reservation and the manager comes out and goes, we are so sorry. Um, we're going to, we're going to figure this out. We're going to make this happen. Another great place I've seen this is in airlines, Right. Uh, something goes wrong, you know, flight goes out, your bags go missing, whatever. An airline that I appreciate comes out and comes ahead of it. Yes. And they get ahead of it and they go, we are so sorry this happened. You know what? We're going to, we're going to make sure that you stay as our customer by ensuring that a, we're going to, we're going to drive it out to wherever you are. We'll alert you. Um, you know, give us your contact information. We will tell you when it's ready. Um, I, you know, I'm I'm not a huge fan of Delta, but I will fly Delta after Southwest because <laughs> of an incident where my bag got lost. It was in a in another airline, lost it, and Delta went. They didn't have to. They went, picked it up, flew it on the next flight out, and uh, to Israel, and then had someone in Israel notify our group when it came in. And I, you know, I, to me, I'm like, hey, you know what? That's loyalty. Yeah, I agree. You know, that's loyalty, and I appreciate that, and that's a way of saying. Now, that wasn't their fault, but had it even been their fault, yeah. that would have been, to me, the, a, a, an appropriate response of, hey, we're going to make this right. Um, And that, to me, is what needs to happen. And so far, I haven't seen that from everything I've read. They've allowed them to come back. I don't know the details. If I'm the couple, I don't know if I'm going back. 
No, I agree. <laughs> That's a question. Um, I'm, I, you know, after talking about it with my spouse, I think to me, I would want to make a statement about, hey, this is the new place we want to live in because reconciliation has to come from both parties. This um, is oh, yeah. healing is to happen. So both parties have. To that's going to be my biggest thing here. Yeah. Is one of the things that one of the the problem is like we one of the big criticisms here has been have they apologized to the couple in private? If they've reinvited them, I'm going to go ahead and assume they have. But my thing here is, and this isn't on the couple. One of it's actually on the sister here. But I do think the couple has a has a way to 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 do this as well, because the couple didn't actively go out and do this. The sister did, right? The sister is the one who put it, who put this company on blast. Um, yeah. So put it on Facebook did a video. Reconciliation there. goes both ways. And if you were going to call someone out on their, on their bad behavior, you also need to be willing to then see this through to the end and forgive them when something has gone, gone, when, when something has happened and update the world on what's happened. And I think a few episodes ago, I think episode 98 or whenever we talked about body shaming, um, was a perfect example of this done well because the girl that was body shamed in Swansboro, after the video, she found out that the that the woman was receiving death threats. So she created another video and said, "Hey, I love this woman. I'm praying for her. I think she's you know she's great. Um, she's written an apology to me that I've accepted. We've forgiven each other. Like I've forgiven her." I'm not holding this against her. I did not do this so that people would take action against her. I did this because I wanted to show people that they're not alone in their struggles. So she made a call to basically say, okay, stop the reaction. And she communicated to the world that the woman apologized to her. In other words, the woman herself and the church didn't say anything about that. It was the woman wrong. It was the girl that was wronged that said, this has been resolved. There is onus. If you are going to call a business or someone out for doing something, I'm not, I'm not dismissing or devaluing the significance of you being a victim of oppression in any way, shape, or form. What I'm saying is in any situation where someone apologizes and someone forgives, you have a duty and a responsibility because now you've put this in the public spotlight and the public sphere to actually see it through to the end and let people know that the situation has been resolved. Sure, your resolution video or post may not go as viral. Absolutely. But you have a duty to do your part in making sure that the situation also resolves. Because at the end of the day, the public apology or the private apology is a paradox for the person who apologizes. Because if they apologize in private and they say they apologize in private, then they get criticized for bragging about the fact that they apologized in private and they're seen as disingenuous. But if we never know about it because they can't say they did, then we're never sure if they did. And we can never actually make a conclusion of it. We can't really respond to it. Right. Yeah. Like, oh, I'd- I mean, there, there's a way to do it right. You know, where you, hey, we've we've talked to the couple. We have, uh, you know, apologized to them. But, you know, again, that has to be followed up with action. But it does. If you if you don't toe the line, like, again, so carefully. It does. It comes across as disingenuous, mm-hmm. you know. It 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 makes people feel there is no way to win. I think that's ultimately the 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 best way to say it is there is no way to win. It is a paradox for for but the person. If you, if, if and and yeah, well, apologize. Yeah, and that's if they're being sincere. Because I don't want right, right. if you've that's, done something we're wrong. Yeah, sincerity. Yeah. 
we're assuming if you've done something wrong, you lost. Let's just put it that way. But if you're trying to be sincere and really change the way you do business or change and be different than you were before, then yes, absolutely. Um, There needs to be a way for you to find restoration and reconciliation. Uh, that's I mean, that's really the only way. And here's the thing, uh, you know, when James Gunn and to me, this was the situation done right. When James Gunn, uh, they found out about these old tweets. Which now I'm going through all my old tweets. <laughs> <laughs> I've always been careful about what I tweet because I want to tweet. You know, I try not to be mean to anyone. I really don't. Um, when I when I criticize on Twitter, I try to do it in vague general terms. I try not to be specific. Um, you know, a lot of times you'll tweet out in, in passion and that's not good either, but I, I feel like, um, when, well, I don't feel like when James Gunn, uh, his tweets came out, um, which ironically was by a right wing group. I'm anyway, I won't get into all that, but it came out it was homophobic, making fun of, of gay people. I think trans people too. Um, was not great. Did not look great. Wasn't incredibly, uh, horrifically mean, but it wasn't okay by any stretch of the imagination. Um, even to say, oh, well, you know, it was a different time. I, it doesn't matter. It's not okay to make fun of anyone who differs from you, especially those who, who you know, are in a position where they are they are being oppressed um, and, and they, you know, are a minority. That's not okay. Ever. So they came out. He got fired from Gardens of the Galaxy. It looked like his career was over. Cancel culture just came out. He issued an incredibly contrite, deep, heartfelt apology where he goes, This was not okay. It was not right. I am so sorry to anyone that I hurt by this. Mm-hmm. I, you know, and, and he, he truly he truly he was one of the examples that I would use to say this is this is how you do it. And again, he came out neutral. It wasn't Oh man, you know what? Look at him. This is awesome. It was okay. We're willing to hear you out. And Disney fired him, as was their right. Now, this is what's interesting. This is what's interesting. And this, again, to me, was also a way that told me about him and his tr- views. The whole cast of the movies that he was working with said, We won't make another one if he's not on yeah. it. Yeah. Because we understand who he is. And then when eventually enough time passed by, he kept his head down. He didn't pull Louis C.K. and, and, you know, just pop up and be like, whatever. He kept his head down and said, this is not okay. I'm I'm not going to, you know, start making other films, start getting ready for other stuff, but didn't do anything uh, publicly, didn't go out, didn't try to defend himself. Disney hired him back. When they hired him back, they said, well, how do you feel about all this? And, and, and you know, are you angry? Were you bitter? And he goes... He had to meet the again the best response that I've ever seen. It's not the best response, but it's the best one I've seen. He goes, "It was Disney's right to fire me. I did something wrong. I was I did something that hurt people. It was absolutely their right to fire me. I'm not angry. I'm not bitter. I do think we need to be careful though, because if we do not allow people to grow, if we just punish them for their past actions and don't give them space to grow." They will never be able to. They'll never. They'll never be able to learn from those mistakes. Yeah, and that to me is where this reconciliation part comes in, right? Um, if someone 
is genuinely contrite and they apologize and they do all these things, I think we as the public have to have this area where we say, all right, we are going to allow you to work your, your way back into our trust. Um, I, I just think there has to be. If, if we truly are about... Now, if we're just about punishing people, if that's all it is about, then okay, that's fine. But if we're about healing, if we're about trying to make a better society... Um, if we're, uh, you know, trying to make better people, you have to allow growth. You have to give people a chance to grow. Um, and I think this from a, you know, the statement, when I read the statement by, by the, the lady, or we, I'm assuming it's the lady that made that statement, um, you know, one of the things she mentioned is this is just how I was raised. We thought this was right, but having actually studied it, I realized it's not. The response by the sister was interesting. She goes, um, you know, I grew up, my dad's a reverend or my grandpa's a reverend. Um, if I knew that it wasn't in the Bible, she knows it wasn't in the Bible. And I went through, I was like, all right, I, I, I can't find out her experience but let me just let me just I've been to the south before I started looking up some things and in my my looking up of this I came across a uh Twitter account that blogs or or records clips and uploads clips of actual uh independent baptist or fundamentalist baptist preachers or something like that um and what I saw, the Germans have a really good word for this. Uh, in layman's terms, it's a combination of uh, uncontrolled projectile vomiting while washing your eyes out with bleach. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> it, 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 it enraged me to the point that I was physically trembling. I was literally shaking with rage. And I was, I was physically nauseous. Mm. I was nauseated by this account. Um, and granted, I'm sure that they're giving the worst possible examples and the worst possible examples of the worst possible examples. But this is the reality is like, look, these and, and there were multiple. I only saw maybe two videos from someone that were just one where there was only one clip. And I didn't see the whole account. But, uh, you know, most Do you of want the to time, find that account and send it to me because now I'm morbidly curious. Yeah, I, I will send it to you. I, I quoted a tweet from one of the videos, oh, and, okay. and gotcha. uh, you can you can look on there. But I'll, I'll send you the link to it. And uh, you just hear constantly from these old white guys, older white guys. Some of them are younger. Um, this stream of cultural Christianity and hatred, and that's why I joked with we fear change because. The reality is that's how these people feel, like literally any change. And they will go off for, you know, multiple minutes on how, you know, this change and nothing from the Bible. Yeah. Nothing from the Bible. And people are congrats. People are hallelujah. Amen. This one pastor was so toxic. He came into and I, I, I'm who I'm getting triggered just talking about <laughs> after seeing the videos. He walks into the congregation, publicly calls people out, berates them, 
shames them um, by name and then says, stand up. I'm not going to marry you. You're not even here. You know, stand up. I love you. And forces them to basically hug him and acknowledge that he loves them. Mm. And I was like, oh, this is a cult tactic. Mm. This is a cult tactic. Um, if you know anything about cults, you understand that cult leader will often use physical pain or shame followed by immediate forced intimacy uh, as, a, as a tactic. Mm-hmm. It's literally an abuse tactic. It's, it, it's, it's, a, it's a mind manipulation. It's, it's something it, Manson did this. Um, a great example of this is from, if you've ever seen Mr. Robot, um, there's a scene where he he messes up, and so Mr. Robot pushes him off a pier, and he he breaks his leg, and it's a whole thing. It, it, it's a tactic used by cult leaders, and I was like, this is this is what he's talking about. Now, why I bring this up is because this is the culture that this lady grew up in. Yep, a, like the the for the daughter of, or for the sister of the groom to say if i know it's not in the bible she knows it's not in the bible is not fair in my estimation that may be true but it's not fair because the culture that she grew up in probably was similar to that in the videos where love is hate hate is love the bible is what i say it is it's a it's it's a white american Christianity and it is it's not the other way around and I've always said this I will always say this when your worldview doesn't match up with what's in the Bible your worldview is what should change your worldview is what should change and the problem is we spent so many years changing the Bible to fit our worldview or changing our faith maybe is a better way to say that um, to the point that we get some incredible blind spots. Yeah, we get these incredibly huge blind spots in our faith to the point where we can make something like the slave Bible and say, "Well, this is good. Let us change scripture to fit our needs, because we don't want these slaves to know that they're supposed to be free, because God wants you know." But you can get to that point because you you have this idea. So I I really do think we need to be we need to be careful with this because. That could be a huge blind spot for her. I I do believe that statement of this is how, this this is just how we grew up, and I never actually looked it up. Well, and that's that's one of the things too for me is, um, I guess if you th- if you were taught, for example, I'm going to use an extreme example here, and it is not comparing anyone of a different race to, um, to what I'm about to say. What it is is comparing just the the process of believing it or the metaphor. Yeah. yeah, Yeah. yeah, So please understand this isn't a comparison, but if I was told, if, if all my life I have been told lions are dangerous, I should go nowhere near lions. All right. If you, if you tried to tell me that lions were now suddenly kind animals that would give me a back rub, um, because you know, I was, I was having a, you know, some back issues. Um, but I was told my entire life from birth that, these lions were dangerous and would kill me on sight. How willing do you think I would be to then, to then experience it for myself? If, if the entire, like if I was basically indoctrinated or brainwashed into believing something very specific and the opposite could actually be harmful, 
then why would I ever try to experience it to understand it differently? And this is, this is the difficulty that a lot of people have is they were taught something very true and granted the risks are not as high to experience it themselves, but um, they don't really have a reason to believe otherwise. And I have a feeling that people like, like this, like, or, or event venues like this, this, uh, like this Boone's camp hall or event hall, whatever. Um, I don't think they encounter this as much as like we may assume they encounter it. Like, I think the part, the part of the reason that faith blind spots are, the, are what they are is because it happens in areas of our lives that we don't really think about a lot. You know, I grew up in white suburban America. Go listen to episode two of this podcast and you'll understand exactly why I say this. I grew up in rural uh, or not. Yeah. Rural or suburban, sorry, suburban white America, like middle class. Right. Um, I don't even think. Uh, I think the only non-white family that lived on my street, like on my cul-de-sac was an Asian family and no one ever saw them. Like I saw them drive by twice ever, right? There was never a black family. The only exposure to black people I had outside of school was like when we did outreach ministry and went to the other side of the railroad tracks. Of course, you're going to have some skewed picture and you're never going to question it or think about it because it's not something that you encounter a lot. Even the outreach ministry stuff would happen every once in a blue moon. But you grew up and spend every day in suburban America. So, yeah, you're going to think suburban America. Like you're just not going to question it until you're actually finally in the moment. And this is, this is, this is my struggle is how do I actually, how do I actively identify my faith blind spots and how do we determine what those important things are? Because for me, like this is where Wayne's world comes back into it, right? People get on my case for not having seen movies a lot. And I'm like, and they're like, how could you have not seen it? Like, I don't understand. How did you like just not see it? I'm like, I just never thought to see it literally never crossed my mind. Well, how did it never cross your mind? It just didn't. Like, I don't, I don't get this, like being <laughs> mad at someone for not thinking to do something that you would have I th- didn't know it was good. I didn't, yeah. I just didn't know. I just didn't. I, I, literally I accidentally didn't. came across Fight Club. Yeah. Like I literally stumbled into it. No one ever had told me it was a good film until I, ha- I just, I saw it was Brad Pitt and Edward Norton. I knew that those guys were good. So I just like, all right, well, let yeah. me buy this on my own at 15 I discovered it. Yeah. Because I ran in but had no one told me, I could have gone easily until now having not seen it. Well, no, I met Steve, but <laughs> fair. I I it, it, I could have gone until college yeah. easily having not well, seen uh, it and knowing nothing about it. And let's let's be clear too. The other half of this is sure, Wayne's World is a movie that I ha- I know a ton of references from having never seen it. And there's a, and and like it comes up a lot. But that doesn't mean that when I'm sitting with friends and we're thinking about what movie to watch, I'm suddenly or immediately going to think of Wayne's World. Like, that's the other thing. Like, just be, what do you want me to do? Set a reminder in my phone that the next time I talk about movies that my phone will just magically know and alert me to watch Wayne's World? Like, this is my, this is my thing. It's a blind spot for, like, you don't think about it. And I, I, I struggle with the idea that we should just be mad at people because they didn't think to do something. To me, that is judging someone else's life by your experience or by what you would do or think of. And that is the definition of projecting. And now I, I, I think that 
this this is great as a concept. I don't think it applies as much to this specific. No, and there's there's I'm I am going to connect it because <laughs> I'm definitely going to connect nice it. Is, but but yeah, I get what you're saying. Where it's like, yeah, if someone doesn't realize that, uh, you know, not wearing a tie on at to church, and I think it's another one. Let's to me that's a, a great example. Is uh, you don't have to wear a suit to go to church. Like, is everyone aware of that? That that custom was started in Roman times because the rich would come wearing their nice clothes, so everyone wanted to emulate the rich mm-hmm. and get the better seats. Um, that is not a biblical tradition. Um, there is a biblical tradition of wearing Sabbath garment, but that's a completely separate thing. Like, that has nothing to do with wearing your nicest stuff to church. I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm saying if that's what you believed your whole life growing up, that's a huge blind spot because someone comes to church wearing jeans and you will think, well, that's not appropriate to wear when the reality is there is no biblical mandate for what you're supposed to wear to go to church. Yeah. There's, there's, it's zero. Trust me. I've looked. I know this book. There's nothing there that says this is what you're supposed to wear to go to church. Correct. You can infer and you can interpret and you can do everything you want, but that is completely subjective and arbitrary and up to you. It has nothing to do with God, thus said the Lord. And that's what we need to acknowledge is that can be a huge blind spot. Well, and this is, so this is, this, and this is, this is my connection point is basically, I think the way you address blind spots or find blind spots is, is, I mean, in, in many cases, some blind spots you really won't know about until you actually encounter them right? So you met Steve, right? And when you met Steve, suddenly you had someone who could see the blind spots in your movie knowledge in history that you couldn't and would be like, oh, you haven't seen this movie? We're going to go watch it then, right? You have someone who's actively going to make sure that you experience the things that would ruin that. Right. Yeah. Right. So that's one thing is to mentor you in that way. Having a relationship with someone that can help you that, that doesn't have the same blind spots is really important. So not having an echo chamber. Sure. But I think the other half of this is understanding or um, is putting yourself in a situation where you were constantly asking, um, what are my blind spots? And asking those around you, which is you need a community in order to encounter blind spots. You need people to see what you cannot see. Like you need other eyes to see what you can't see. And I think the, 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 um, I think the, the other side of this is, I think you do need to start asking questions and, and asking yourself, what are some things that I'm assuming that, uh, or what are some things I believe that I'm, that here's, here's, here's actually, let me put it this way. Ask yourself this. If someone were to challenge me on this belief I have, what would I do to support it? Because and this, and I don't say that so that you have the proof text to support it or the proof whatever. What I'm saying is, it's it's not yeah, it's, it's not to be right. No, it's to literally say like, what do I hope no one asks me? That's the question yeah. I need to get the answer to. Yeah. That's the question I need to find an answer to, not the answer, an answer. Like I need to have some, like I mean, hopefully the answer. But try to, try to minimize your blind spots. Yeah, yeah, like you need to constantly ask it. What are the questions you're afraid of? Those are your blind spots. Those are the questions you're hoping no one is going to ask you, and those are the questions that you're that you're really aiming to um, to find answers to. And I think that that that's a great starting place for figuring out like your blinds. Like this woman had a blind spot, and we can be mad at her all we want, but getting mad at her doesn't actually solve the problem of this racial blind spot that clearly is a part of that culture. 
wherever she's from, whether it's her family culture or whether it's a culture in the city that now the city is trying to move past. And so I, I think if we're going to systemically go against do this, like that's that's part of it. The other thing is, I think we need to react with less hatred and vitriol to people who do have blind spots, because if you have a blind spot and you're reacted and people react with shame and try to guilt you for it and try to make you feel terrible for it, you're just going to double down. My instinct when someone calls me out is to double down and defend myself, not admit that they're right. I do this all the time when I submit ideas to like my church's leadership team or I pr- bring a proposal forward and someone says, well, hey, I might change this wording. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, no, I'm already on that. Like, yeah, I was already thinking that like my first thought is to to basically not admit that I had it ra- wrong, but to think like somehow I was still right. And if someone would re- if we would if we would put ourselves in positions to react with more grace and kindness, I think. Um, I think we would make some headway and I'm talking about on a personal level. I think businesses, that's, that's a little bit different and I'm not calling for mob mentality, but I think there's a different level of pressure there for sure. I, I, yeah. I mean, my thing is what are we, what is our ultimate gain, right? What is our, what is our ultimate gain, ultimate goal? (laughs) What what is our, what is our ultimate goal? Yeah. What are we trying to gain? What, What do we, what do we hope to get out of this situation? If it's a sense of personal, smug, you know, uh, uh, justice that I've made a difference. Okay, yeah, keep calling people out. Uh, I have a person I follow on Twitter, and every time something goes wrong, um, you know, they'll they just every time there's a a possible racial issue in one of our Adventist schools, this person pops up, whether or not they're involved in the situation, whether or not they attended the school, they just pop up to say something. And and it's like, what are you trying to get out of this? That people see you as this great? No, you're not trying to make change. You're trying to get notoriety on the internet. You're trying to get invisible, you know, upvotes. Um, if that's what you're trying to do, then that's what you're trying to do. Then, okay, be a paladin, you know, Go be this social justice warrior. If you're trying to actually enact change, if you're trying to actually enact change, yes, sometimes you need a boycott. Sometimes you have to cancel. Sometimes someone needs to be made into a scapegoat, but not every time. Yeah. It has to be. Yes, you you do have to call out examples, but you have to allow people to grow. Now, if they refuse to grow, okay, then then move forward. Um, I no, I'm not going to mention that, but there, there, there's a situation going on right now where people are not reacting well to things, and it's like, well, you had a chance yep. to make this right, and you kicked the pooch. Like, yep. Um, yeah, I, I really want to go into it. I'm not going to for time and, and other reasons, but you know, give people a chance, and if they screw that up, that's their fault. If they If they choose not to take advantage of that opportunity... You've done their due diligence, but that's if you're trying to actually enact change, if you're trying to make a better world, you have to allow for reconciliation and healing. Um, and the way to do that is first acknowledge why you put the video up there or whatever post you made that called it out and then set a specific goal, right? So for this particular instance, um, I want to warn other mixed race couples that this place isn't going 
to do. And for people who want to get married there who don't have a problem with mixed race couples, be aware that this is their policy. This is how they do it. Mm -hmm. And if you're not okay with this, then don't support them. And then you have the right to, to walk away. Um, which I think is fine. But then if you want to make a difference when they say we're going, we, this is not an official policy or we're going, this is, we're going to change this right now. This is not okay. Then you have to, if you want change, if you really want to make people better, you have to do it where it's a, it's a public reconciliation um, where you acknowledge you don't have to go right. You don't have to, to, to still, attend and give them money uh but you you do have to say we've moved on we've forgiven them we're get, we're going to give them a chance yeah i um, mean i think this is where cancel and again not going to talk about cancel culture but that's where to me cancel culture falls short mm-hmm. and it forces people to, to just be defensive because there's no there's no win there's no way to move past so i will deny 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 because if 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 that's it for me, then there's no incentive to move on and to learn. Yep. Um, and so you have to do that. You have to dangle. It sounds horrible to say, but you have to dingle that carrot in front of people. Um, do, do you, I think you have to involve the public every single time. I think that that's, you know, something that you need to figure out case by case. Um, I think sometimes it can be resolved privately. I think that, this particular lady going up there and asking for clarification, I think she did the right thing. Let me put it this way. In this particular instance, I think she did the right thing. She came. She tried to ask for clarification. They did not give her clarification because they didn't have it, you know, for being honest. The Bible doesn't say, yeah. uh, you know. I mean, you could, you could somewhat loosely interpret, you know, equal, you know, yoke, but that's You're trying. Not- at all you, yeah it's, that's a stretch and eisegetical interpretation of the yes. text you're reading into that if that's how you want to take it um but at best that's you know she tried to do it she tried to go for clarification i think if what she had done was just put it online when they'd refused that might have been a little bit harsh but she took that extra step of going there by herself um and in Mississippi, of all places, which is not, you know, that's kudos on her. That was a brave thing to do in a state that's not known for treating black women very well. Um, so so good on her. But I think that's the biggest thing is she took that extra step. I think that was the right thing. If they had been able to resolve it privately. Um, I think that's always the best. See, I don't I don't think that this would have been resolved privately, though. I think no, this one wouldn't. No, this one I wouldn't. think this. Well, you this can goes, tell because she yeah. went. She went to try to do it, and that's why I say in this particular instance, I don't think it would have worked. But I think that's always the best. I don't think you need public pressure. But if someone refuses, and that's the thing, if she had gone and talked to this lady, and the lady had gone and said, "You know what? I don't know why this is just our problem, but let you know what I, you bring up an excellent point. Let's talk about this because she goes, I don't want to argue my faith, right?" That's the statement that immediately said this wouldn't be done privately. If she had said, you know what, let's talk about it. Let's get together. Clearly, you you see something that I don't. But let's, let's talk about this. Let's resolve it. If she'd said that, 
then I think it could have been resolved privately. But she didn't. She said, I don't want to argue my faith. Okay, now, if you're not willing to, to, if you're not willing to back it up, then yeah, you have to use public. You have to let people, you have to let everyone show them you are the one who is wrong in this. And, and you have to do that with a crowd of people. Right, you, it's a that's a public anathema thing, you know. That's following Matthew eighteen. It's it's this. You're the you're the uh, I can't say that word. You're the jerk here. You're the jerk here. I'm not the jerk. You're the jerk here. And you have you can only do that with the public. Yeah, um, yeah. Hers goes public no matter what because eventually this would just escalate to a lawsuit and it's going to go public. Like I think there no matter what. I think this goes that way unless the, unless the, like that's the only way it gets reconciled. But I think in, in a lot of cases it doesn't have to go public. And I think that's a choice that we make. Um, and in many cases, I'm glad that a, a lot of stuff does so, something we're going to talk about next week. Definitely glad that this has become, it's become something public, but um, it just, it, it, sometimes it takes pressure, but I think ultimately I think both, both parties need to take responsibility in finding reconciliation because if you're someone who's going to call out someone publicly and put them on blast and potentially ruin a, a business, right? Because now granted, you're not the one who ruined the business. Let me be clear. That person's own behavior yeah, yeah. ruined their business. All right. I am not going to guilt trip. I'm not going to shame anyone for calling someone out on something terrible they've done, but yeah. knowing that someone's livelihood that, that, is on yeah, the line is here, go away. knowing that I think we should have a responsibility as, as someone calling out these people and holding them accountable publicly. I think we have a responsibility as those who are calling them to apologize to actually let the public know when things have been reconciled and to earnestly seek reconciliation ourselves, not just to shame those people. Um, that's how I feel. And I get that some people are just out for revenge and want to make them pay all that. I get that. But I'm saying if you're in a position where you're truly trying to make things right, then you need to make things right all the way through. Um, and making things right is not just them apologizing, but you also saying, I forgive you, or at least working toward forgiveness. And um, so that that's where I think I sit on all of this. I'm glad that the woman has admitted she's wrong or that she... She was wrong. And I'll say, I, I'm not Maybe sure if there has, was an apology yeah. ever. Yeah, exactly. But I think this is a good way to talk about that topic because I think this is a good example of it. This is someone who didn't double down. This is someone who really did actively admit that they were wrong and finally did study it. And I can give credit where credit is due there, even though she should have studied it a long time ago. And my, it's still, yeah. Um, I, I, I have a hard time getting mad at someone for just not thinking to do something. Like, I, I, I don't know how you just objectively make yourself think about something that you wouldn't think about. Like, yeah, I, to, I to mean, some extent, that just I, feels I, like chance. So it, it yeah, you should know your own faith. I mean, oh, yeah. Thing. If, if you be if you believe the Bible, I mean, it's one of the reasons why I'm Adventist. It's probably one of the big reasons why I'm Adventist. It's like there we're we're a, we're supposed to be all about studying it for yourself. Like actually know each individual actually knows their faith. Um, ironically, sometimes that doesn't happen, but I, I think that that's the biggest thing. You should know your faith. So that I can falter, but yeah, it's like, if that's how you were raised and, and now someone called you on it and you go, wow, everyone was wrong. Okay. Then I'm willing. Yeah. Yep. I'm willing to at least give you a shot to, to make it right. Cool. Well, cause that's the start. I agree. I think this has been a good one. Um, I've enjoyed this conversation. Um, so thank you guys so much for listening. You can subscribe to us on iTunes or any podcatching app. You can find us at theabsurdity.org. 
um, and find us on Facebook as well. Facebook.com slash absurdity podcast. But thank you guys so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Today's episode of Absurdity is sponsored by The Haystack. The Haystack is a voice for young adults in the Seventh-day Adventist Church that produces articles, music reviews, videos, and more. To check them out, go to www.thehaystack.org. The Haystack. Life. Culture. Theology.